0: Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. All right, so today we are talking about the prophet Jonah. And I wish I could say how amazing this prophet was and how God was super pleased with him, but unfortunately I cannot do that. But what I can tell you, is that there's so much to learn from his life. And the story of Jonah is basically a mirror that we're going well, to put up right in front of us this morning. As we look into the story of Jonah, we are actually looking into a story of our own lives. So this brings us to the story of Jonah. And you might know this story, and some of you guys might not know this story. For those of you that don't know the story, it's story time. <laughs> So the book of Jonah in the Bible is really one of a kind. Now, if you go and read all the other prophetic books in the Bible, it starts with the word of the Lord came to so-and-so. And then what follows is what God is saying to that city or to those people. When it comes to the story of Jonah, it starts with now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And in the next verse, we see how Jonah fleed to Tarshish. With the other prophetic books were all about the message of God, the book of Jonah is about the prophet and not about the message. Jonah chapter 1 says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But instead of going, Jonah tried to flee from the presence of God by going to Tarshish. And on the way there, the Lord caused the storm to come up. That was so bad that the Bible says that the ship threatened to break up. Now, I don't know what that looked like. I think maybe some planks just shattering or, you know, whatever the case might be. But it goes on to say that everybody on the boat started praying to their God. Okay, so they were polytheists. They all believed in different gods. And what was Jonah doing? He was sleeping. He was enjoying a nice nap from his his long journey. And I don't know about you, but if I were on the boat that was about to sink, I would be wide awake. I would be walking around the boat, seeing what I can hold on to, so that when this boat goes down, I will be going up. But Jonah was in such a spiritual slumber. He was fast asleep. So they had to wake Jonah up and tell him to pray to his God and after um, you know they saw they, they saw that nothing was working they they went to Jonah and um, or they they sorry they cast lots to see on whose account this storm was and the lot fell on Jonah. so when they approached Jonah, Jonah came clean and he told them the story that he is running away from the Lord he's running away from the presence of the Lord. And this, uh, we are in this storm because of me. So they ask him, what do we need to do to get rid of this storm? And Jonah told them, you need to throw me overboard. Now, I know about you, but yeah. I don't think it's easy to throw, just throw somebody overboard if the chances are there for the storm to see. So these guys obviously didn't want his blood to be on their hands, so they tried to, you know, they tried to row to um, a piece of land, and it didn't work. So after that, they took Jonah, and it's a very interesting thing. In the beginning, when they prayed to their gods, when they took Jonah, before they threw him over, it said that they prayed to Jehovah. In the Bible, when you go read, it said, when you, when you see the word Lord in capital letters, it means Jehovah or um, Yahweh. And um, so they prayed to Yahweh, Lord, may this person's blood not be on our hands. And after they threw him over, the storm ceased. And it said that they feared Yahweh greatly. These people that didn't even believe, after this incident, they were firm believers. And they feared God greatly. And then the famous fish came and swallowed Jonah up. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish. So Jonah started repenting, and it was almost like there was a a change of heart that took place in Jonah. So the fish vomited Jonah up onto dry land, and Jonah went to Nineveh and told them that they need to repent. So it said that the city is a three-day walk to walk through the city, and it only had 120 people. Well, I say only 120 because if you look at a city like Joburg, I mean, we've got millions of people here. And it will probably take us a day to walk through Joburg, maybe two days. So it must have been a very big city, a big piece of ground. And Jonah, after going in one day, the king and the people started putting on sackcloth and ashes and repented of their sins. And so Jonah went outside of a city and after 40 days, he waited for the city to be destroyed. He waited for God to, I don't know, rain down fire and all of these different things to destroy the city And after 40 days, when the city was still standing, Jonah got really angry at God. And we read in chapter 4, verse 1 to 4, But he displeased Jonah exceedingly. Not just a little bit. He displeased him exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And so Jonah fell into a pity party, and that's how the book of Jonah ends. And we can read or hear this story and think that, you know, the story of Jonah is a bizarre story about a guy that got swallowed up by a big fish. But the story goes much deeper than that, and it's actually a story about you and me. And so something that we need to know is that we are on this earth for a reason, and there's work to be done. When we fall into spiritual apathy... A spiritual slumber. If you go look at the word apathy, it means lack of interest, lack of enthusiasm, a lack of concern. When we fall into that spiritual slumber, it doesn't only affect our lives, but it also affects those people around us. So there's two main parts to my, to my preach this morning. Firstly, we're going to be talking about Jonah, which is about us. And secondly, Simeon will come up and he will share about God's heart for his people. So first of all, Jonah is really not a nice person. Right through the book of of, um, Jonah, it's almost like God should have sent somebody to Jonah and told Jonah, if you do not repent in 40 days, you will be destroyed. He was judgmental. He was lazy, he was in spiritual slumber, he was lukewarm. When I started reading through this story, I thought to myself, God, why would you use somebody like Jonah? And then I thought to myself, Lord, why would you use somebody like me? We're all in the same boat, but he does because he's amazing. It's because of his amazing grace. And it doesn't matter how you see yourself. It's about how God sees you. That's what really matters. And the book of Jonah started with, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to that great city of Nineveh and tell them that I will destroy them lest they repent. And in the next verse, Jonah's like, peace out, homies, I'm out of here. Now, Jonah probably had a point. I mean, the, if you look at the city of Nineveh, Nineveh was not part of Israel. Nineveh was a godless city, and they probably deserved to die. Okay, it was an Assyrian city, which, mean, which meant that they were enemies of Israel. Uh, in fact, they killed 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. They completely wiped them off the face of the earth. And if that's not bad enough, They were known to skin people alive. So it was really bad people. And Jonah probably had a point. Why would I tell them to repent so that they can have a chance to live? And that brings me to my first point. Our judgment and assumptions of people causes us to miss the plans and the purposes of God. See, just like Jonah, we look at people the same way, don't we? Oh no, this person does not deserve my two rand. He's probably going to use it on drugs and alcohol. Right? Luke 6 verse 30 says, Give give to everyone that begs of you. What does everyone mean? It means everyone. Give to everyone that begs of you. Yet, because of our judgment, we completely miss the plans and the purposes of God. Now, Jesus says to give to everyone who begs not to first assess whether they are worthy of your two or not, or whether they are worthy of your bread, or whether they are worthy of your smile, or whether they are worthy of maybe just praying with them. But because we completely um, shut down because of our judgment, we completely miss all those opportunities to advance the kingdom of God. And that applies to the people that we work with. Sometimes, man, we really do not like a person that we work with or there might be a family member that just irritates us and we can't stand to be around them. And we miss the plans and the purposes of God. What if God put you there to pray for them or to encourage them or to even change them? We can sometimes be the most judgmental people on earth. And it's no wonder that non-believers don't want anything to do with us. God didn't call us to judge. He called us to love. And if People walk over you or treat you badly. They're not doing it to you. They're doing it to God. Because the day that you gave your life to Jesus is the day that you became his possession. You are no longer your own. You are his. The day that you put your hand up to receive Jesus into your life, you gave up your rights. You don't have rights anymore as a Christian. If God tells you to do something, we need to do it. And we can have this assurance that God won't just do something for the sake of doing, there's purpose and destiny behind everything that God wants us to do. God doesn't sit in and think, "You know, "Haha, I'm going to make fun of him. I'm going to make fun of her." It's not how God works. God's got a big plan, and we are all part of that big plan. See, the one day we went to Deep Slit Township for an outreach, and um, we went into a really bad part of Deep Slit. It was, they didn't have electricity, they didn't have any running water. We were going from house to house to pray for the people, and as we were walking, I saw a t- uh, there was a, a Shabin. And, you know, people were drinking, people were loud, and I thought by myself, I don't want to go there. I was totally judging them. <laughs> and luckily for me, the guy that led the outreach, Paul, he said, let's go there. And I thought, oh, Lord. <laughs> so we went to the Shabin and, you know, we shared, to, we shared the, the message of Jesus to these guys. And, um, you know, they laughed at us and we asked them, can we pray for you? Is there somebody sick here that we can pray for? And you know they were making fun of us. They were making fun of their one friend, but they all looked at the one friend, and the one friend stood up, and so we prayed for this one guy, and he, God completely healed him. After that, everybody lined up for prayer. This was on a Saturday. The Sunday, Paul was back there, and they had church in the Shabin. So, because, and so easily we can miss what God wants to do. You know, God loves messy, messy situations because he comes in and man, he brings order. He come and bring his spirit and man, there's just revival. It's awesome. Don't allow your judgments to miss what God is doing. And I know that sometimes it can look daunting. Like the should be and it can look very daunting. But ask God, what is it that he wants to do? Don't let your judgment and assumptions of people get in the way of what he wants to do. Another thing that we see in the life of Jonah is that while Jonah was sleeping, everybody else seemed to be in a fear and panic. Jonah 1 verse 5 to 6 says, Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo and basically... They threw everything overboard that they made a living from that was in the ship and into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, go call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought or give a thought to us that we may not perish." And it says that Jonah was fast asleep in the midst of a storm that wreaked havoc, while he knew that he was the reason for it. And that brings me to my second point. Your spiritual slumber doesn't only affect you, it affects everyone that are with you in the boat. whether you are a husband or a wife, whether you are a leader in this church, whether you are an employee, if you are in spiritual slumber, you affect everyone that are with you in the boat. Sometimes we are so asleep that we end up in a place where we don't even care anymore. It's like we're deaf and we are blind to what God wants to come and do. We are blind to everything that God is doing to get our attention. Our hearts are so hardened, and I get sometimes life is tough. I get that. But the one person that we need to be close to is Jesus. We cannot afford to be running away from Him. He is the one that gives life, that has life. If we want life, we need to be going to Him and not running away from Him. And the sad thing is that some people wait till they have a near-death experience before they wake up. I remember I got born again in a church that had a theology college. And the one Sunday, there was one of the doctors that taught at that theology college, and he gave a testimony. He had a heart attack. He almost died. And while he was lying there, almost dying, he realized that his life is not right with God. And we don't need that to catch up, to catch a wake up. Don't get to that point where, where you um, don't wait for that point before you realize it's time to wake up. I strongly feel that God is telling us this morning to wake up. We've been sleeping for too long. Wake up. Your spiritual slumber is affecting everyone around you. People in your workplace, the church, wake up. It's time to wake up. The crazy thing is that spiritual slumber is not something that happens overnight. It's something that happens gradually. We don't realize that it's happening. That's why we need to stick close to Jesus. There was one weekend in school where um, I went to visit my one friend. And when we got to his house, he just bought a new fish. And the fish was in a plastic bag full of water. So he put the whole bag in his fish tank, and I thought, yo, that's the most odd thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And I asked him, why are you putting the bag in the fish tank? And he said that the fish that I just bought is in cold water. My fish tank has hot water. If I have to put this fish into the fish tank, it will die. And And he's like, I know. I've seen it. <laughs> and so I have to put this bag of, with cold water into my fish tank so that the water adjusts to the same temperature as my tank. And when it gets to the same temperature, then I can put the fish in the tank, and then the fish won't die. And it's the same with us. Gradually, we get to a place of spiritual slumber, Sometimes walk with hurts and pains, a little bit compromise here, a little bit of entitlement there, and before we know it, we are fast asleep while everybody around you is suffering the consequences. You see, the moment you take the fish out of the bag and put it into the tank is the moment you see worship leaders deny their faith. It's the moment you see pastors commit adultery the moment that you see people leaving the church because they are offended with petty things. Gradually, they have grown so cold, so so asleep, that they completely miss the purpose of God and that they affect everyone around them. And I ask you, who is suffering the consequences of that? If you have to if you have to You know, fall asleep. Who will suffer the consequences of your slumber, your spiritual slumber? We as a church have a mission to accomplish. God has put this church in this community for this time to accomplish His purpose here on earth. God has put you in this church to accomplish His purpose on earth. You are not here by accident. You are here because God placed you here. If you are sleeping, all of us are suffering the consequences. If I am sleeping, you guys are suffering the consequences of that. We as a body need to be, we need, we need to wake up, guys. People are dying. People are going to hell. And they are suffering the consequences because we are asleep. Are you guys getting something? So I'm going to call up Simeon. He's going to carry on with the second part of his message.
1: Thanks, him. Morning, everybody. Just really excited to just share what I believe God's put on my heart. Um, and I'm going to be looking at the second part of this message. So we've looked at Jonah and some of the lessons around him. I really just want to talk today about the character of God and what we can practically apply in our lives today. Um, And it's come through already in what Duan has shared, but I believe God wants to say to us today that we need to understand and be reminded of how He sees us. We need to um, see ourselves through His eyes again. You know, often we Disqualify ourselves by focusing on our reality or our situation or our shortcomings. And the amazing part is that God still qualifies us. And when he qualifies us, that means that we can focus again on him. So we can look at how big he is, how miraculous he is, how awesome he is. So the first point that I really want to focus on is that with God, nothing is impossible. We see God's character through the miracles performed in the book of Jonah, as well as God revealing to us how big and how awesome he is. We see God control the weather. We see God speak to a fish. I mean, have you ever heard of that today? (laughs) And we also see in In God doing that, we see the life of Jonah preserved. I I just read this book, and in studying it this week, going through it, I think, how many times could Jonah have died? You know, normal, ordinary person, but God spares his life and calls him again to, to walk into that which God called him to do. And, you know, the interesting thing today is when we begin to pick and choose who God is to us, we start describing a figment of our imagination and not the God who has revealed himself through his word. And I came across this and it just describes it so nicely. And it says this, if my mind is the size of a soda can, and God is the size of all the oceans, it would be stupid for me to say, He is only the small amount of water I can scoop into my little can. God is so much bigger, so far beyond our time encased, air, food, sleep dependent lives. And what I want to challenge us on this morning is this, do we believe that everything is possible with God? Do we still believe that this morning? We serve a king who changes impossible situations into possible outcomes. And maybe there's some of us sitting here today where we feel we are in an impossible situation that we cannot get out of. And God's wanting to remind you right now, right here, right now, that anything is possible with him. The thing that you need to know today is that the only thing that's impossible with God is nothing. Absolutely nothing. So what we see is Jonah prayed after his disobedience, after he made a mistake. And I think Jonah anticipated that things would just change, you know, and work out the way he had thought. But he actually spent some time in the belly of a whale. You know in the belly of a big fish and sometimes things don't go according to the way we planned it's God's timing and the way he does a work of restore, restoration isn't always the way we expect it to be so this brings me to my second point and my second point is that God is sovereign So when we look at the end of Jonah 3 from verse 10 it says this when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way this is referring to the city of Nineveh God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it and as we know this um, displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry and You know, sometimes we are so quick to pass judgment, as Duan mentioned earlier, or to even just, we we often say this, you know, and I can speak for myself. We say, just let that person get what's coming to them, you know. And the amazing part about this is it's not up to us to decide. And what we need to remember this morning is let us give it to God and let Him decide. Because the thing is that, yes, Nineveh actually was destroyed at a later point in time, but not at that time as Jonah had anticipated. So it was actually God's timing and God's grace that at that point in time spared the city of Nineveh because they had turned from their evil ways. So... Just in getting to where I really felt God wanted to speak to us this morning, I've got one last point, and um, I really believe that God pursues us with His love, and He showers us with His grace and His mercy. So in a nutshell, Jonah decided to flee from the presence of the Lord after God had asked him to go to Nineveh. God spared his life after he was thrown off the boat into the sea. God then speaks to a fish to vomit Jonah out of its mouth. And this is the part I love, is that God is so faithful to call Jonah again. How many times in earthly situations that we face on a daily basis, if you blow it, you're done. Someone else is chosen in corporate. Someone else is given an opportunity. But this is not the heart of God for us. He calls Jonah again. He says, Jonah, that same thing that I called you to, now let's go to Nineveh. And then we see the obedience of Jonah, and it leads to the city of Nineveh being spared. So in Jonah 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. See, wherever we think we can run to this morning, we cannot escape. The presence of God. If we look at the famous words of David in Psalm 139 from verse 7, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. And when we decide to run away from the Lord, we never get to where we're going firstly, but as in Jonah's case originally, we also end up paying our own fare. And... (laughs) I'm sure many of us have, you know, stories of that today, where we've, we've counted the cost because we haven't done what God has called us to do. But when we go the Lord's way, you not only get to where you're going, but he provides the fare, he provides the resources, he provides the means. So God always pursues us with his love. That love that never fails, the love that give never gives up, um, the love that will never relent. And we have so many scriptures today that we can just lean on that, just give us that comfort, you know. We can look at Hebrews 13 verse 5 where God says he will never leave us nor forsake us. And uh, the one I really love, just looking at the mercy and the grace of God, in Lamentations 3:22 to 23, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. And the amazing thing is, this morning, we can run from the call of God at points in our life, but we cannot outrun His grace. We can run from the call of God, but we cannot outrun His grace. His grace just keeps coming. His grace will just keep finding us with His love as well. And once again, coming back to where I started, God is just challenging us this morning to see ourselves the way He does. We so often limit what God can do by how narrow-minded we are looking at ourselves. I'm going to call Duan back up. <clears throat>
0: So I really feel that this morning is um, that we need to reflect. There's some of us that might be, that might feel like we're in the belly of a whale. We are barely surviving. You now um, we, can, we can see how we are affecting other people. And God is calling us today to repent. He's, he's calling us today to turn back to Him. So can I ask us all to stand? The thing is, God called us here on earth for a reason. Once again, you are not here by accident. God wants to do amazing things in and through you. But he can't if you don't let him. And I I felt strongly this morning that there's a, a repentance that needs to take place. And repentance means, or to repent means to turn 180 degrees and go back. And some of you guys might be going to Tarshish. You're on your way to Tarshish. And God is calling you to turn back to your Nineveh. What is the Nineveh that God is calling you can we just close our eyes? I want to encourage you to take this seriously. You know, there's there's a lot of times when 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 God speaks to us, and we can't afford to take it for granted. The voice of God is a precious thing. The presence of God is a precious thing. And it's not worth giving that up for a little bit of sleep, for a little bit of slumber. And right there where you're standing, don't you just want to speak to God? Tell God, Lord, I am sorry for running away from my calling. I'm sorry for running away from my Nineveh, that which you have called me to. I'm sorry, Lord, for dragging other people around me down because I want to sleep. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.